Section 135 of Chesterfield's Letters to His Son. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Letter 166. London, May 11th, Old Style, 1752. Dear friend, I break my word by writing this letter, but I break it on the allowable side, by doing more than I promised. I have pleasure in writing to you, and you may possibly have some profit in reading what I write. Either of the motives were sufficient for me, both for you I cannot withstand. By your last I calculate that you will leave Paris upon this day senite. Upon that supposition, this letter may still find you there. Colonel Perry arrived here two or three days ago, and sent me a book from you, Cassandra Abridged. I am sure it cannot be too much abridged. The spirit of that most voluminous work, fairly extracted, may be contained in the smallest duodecimo, and it is most astonishing that there ever could have been people idle enough to write or read such endless heaps of the same stuff. It was, however, the occupation of thousands in the last century, and is still the private, though disavowed, amusement of young girls and sentimental ladies. A lovesick girl finds, in the captain with whom she is in love, all the courage and all the graces of the tender and accomplished Orondates, and many a grown-up sentimental lady talks delicate Clelia to the hero, whom she would engage to eternal love, or laments with her that love is not eternal. Ah, qu'il est d'or d'amé, si pon à moi toujours, mais hélas, il n'est point d'éternel amour. It is, however, very well to have read one of those extravagant works, of which all la calprenides are the best, because it is well to be able to talk with some degree of knowledge upon all those subjects that other people talk sometimes upon and I would by no means have anything that is known to others be totally unknown to you. It is a great advantage for any man to be able to talk or to hear, neither ignorantly nor absurdly, upon any subject, for I have known people who have not said one word, hear ignorantly and absurdly. It has appeared in their inattentive and unmeaning faces. This, I think, is as little likely to happen to you as to anybody of your age, and if you will but add a versatility and easy conformity of manners, I know no company in which you are likely to be de trop. This versatility is more particularly necessary for you at this time, now that you are going to so many different places, for though the manners and customs of the several courts of Germany are in general the same, yet every one has its particular characteristic, some peculiarity or other, which distinguishes it from the next. This you should carefully attend to and immediately adopt. Nothing flatters people more, nor makes strangers so welcome, as an occasional conformity. I do not mean by this that you should mimic the air and stiffness of every awkward German court. No, by no means, but I mean that you should only cheerfully comply, and fall in with certain local habits, such as ceremonies, diet, turn of conversation, etc. People who are lately come from Paris, and who have been a good while there, are generally suspected, and especially in Germany, of having a degree of contempt for every other place. Take great care that nothing of this kind appear, at least outwardly, in your behavior, but commend whatever deserves any degree of commendation, without comparing it with what you may have left, much better of the same kind, at Paris. As, for instance, the German kitchen is, without doubt, execrable, and the French delicious. However, never commend the French kitchen at a German table, but eat of what you can find tolerable there, and commend it, without comparing it to anything better. I have known many British yahoos, 
who, though while they were at Paris conformed to no one French custom, as soon as they got anywhere else, talked of nothing but what they did, saw, and ate at Paris. The freedom of the French is not to be used indiscriminately at all courts in Germany, though their easiness may and ought, but that, too, at some places more than at others. The courts of Mannheim and Bonn I take to be a little more unbarbarized than some others, that of Mayence, an ecclesiastical one, as well as that of Treves, neither of which is much frequented by foreigners, retains, I conceive, a great deal of the goth and vandal still. There more reserve and ceremony are necessary, and not a word of the French. At Berlin you cannot be too French. Hanover, Brunswick, Castle, etc., are of the mixed kind. Un peu de croix, mais pas assez. Another thing, which I most earnestly recommend to you, not only in Germany, but in every part of the world where you may ever be, is not only real, but seeming attention, to whoever you speak to, or to whoever speaks to you. There is nothing so brutally shocking, nor so little forgiven, as a seeming inattention to the person who is speaking to you. And I have known many a man knocked down, for, in my opinion, a much lighter provocation, than that shocking inattention which I mean. I have seen many people who, while you are speaking to them, instead of looking at and attending to you, fix their eyes upon the ceiling or some other part of the room, look out of the window, play with a dog, twirl their snuff-box or pick their nose. Nothing discovers a little, futile, frivolous mind more than this, and nothing is so offensively ill-bred. It is an explicit declaration on your part that every the most trifling object deserves your attention more than all that can be said by the person who is speaking to you. Judge of the sentiments of hatred and resentment, which such treatment must excite in every breast where any degree of self-love dwells, and I am sure I never met yet with that breast where there was not a great deal. I repeat it again and again, for it is highly necessary for you to remember it. That sort of vanity and self-love is inseparable from human nature, whatever may be its rank or condition. Even your footman will sooner forget and forgive a beating than any manifest mark of slight and contempt. Be, therefore, I beg of you, not only really, but seemingly and manifestly attentive to whoever speaks to you. Nay, more, take their ton, and tune yourself to their unison. Be serious with the serious, gay with the gay, and trifle with the triflers. In assuming these various shapes, endeavor to make each of them to sit easily upon you, and even to appear to be your own natural one. This is the true and useful versatility, of which a thorough knowledge of the world at once teaches the utility and the means of acquiring. I am very sure, at least I hope, that you will never make use of a silly expression, which is the favorite expression, and the absurd excuse of all fools and blockheads. I cannot do such a thing, a thing by no means either morally or physically impossible. I cannot attend long together to the same thing, says one fool. That is, he is such a fool that he will not. I remember a very awkward fellow, who did not know what to do with his sword, and who always took it off before dinner, saying that he could not possibly dine with his sword on, upon which I could not help telling him that I really believed he could without any probable danger either to himself or others. It is a shame and an absurdity for any man to say that he cannot do all those things which are commonly done by all the rest of mankind. Another thing that I must earnestly warn you against is laziness, by which more people have lost the fruit of their travels than, perhaps, by any other thing. Pray be always in motion. 
Early in the morning go and see things, and the rest of the day go and see people. If you stay but a week at a place, and that an insignificant one, see, however, all that is to be seen there. Know as many people, and get into as many houses as ever you can. I recommend to you likewise, though probably you have thought of it yourself, to carry in your pocket a map of Germany, in which the post-roads are marked, and also some short book of travels through Germany. The former will help to imprint in your memory situations and distances, and the latter will point out many things for you to see, that might otherwise possibly escape you, and which, though they may be in themselves of little consequence, you would regret not having seen, after having been at the places where they were. Thus warned and provided for your journey, God speed you. Felix Fostum Cassit. Adieu. End of section 135. Read by Professor Heather and By. For more free audiobooks or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.